Welcome, everybody, to the Nuggets of Gold podcast. I am here today with Jake and Aiden, and we're going to be talking about Martin Mayhew being signed, right? Yeah, signed by the Washington football team. That's their name as, as of now. Maybe that changes this offseason. We'll find out. But Mayhew is gone. We're going to talk a little bit about Adam Peters and just the front office in general. And then after that, we're going to do a segment that we brought up on the last episode, and we're going to be ranking our top 10 head coaches in the NFL. But to start out, Mark Mayhew is now in Washington with Ron Rivera. And I know a lot of people have said that we're getting a third round pick. But as of right now, 1.16 p.m. Pacific time on Wednesday in January, we don't know yet because we're still waiting on his title. So if he has, I believe, a higher level position, then we get the third round pick. Jake, is that right? Is that how it works? Yeah, so basically um, the only position that he is able to um, surplus us with a third-round pick is um, general manager. However, there has been some discussion about how the Rooney Rule is going to work this year. The NFL is discussing, you know, if they get to maybe a high executive position, um, will you uh, reward teams with a third-rounder? Um, even if that happens, I think it's probably too late um, for us to be rewarded a pick. I'm not sure how that's going to work. But like you said, as of right now, since his title isn't defined, we're not necessarily uh, certain uh, if we're going to be getting that pick. Okay. Yeah. And that, that's what I was kind of thinking on that, on that front as well. But, but overall, just with Mayhew being gone, front office turnover is not, is not necessarily great. Now, Mayhew was a huge part in teaching John Lynch the ropes of being a GM. So was Adam Peters. I think having Mayhew leave just makes it such a bigger deal that Adam Peters is still part of the 49ers organization. Um, but Aiden, what do you think about Mayhew being gone? Anything specifically that you want to bring up about, about his move to Washington? I love it for him. Like we said on an earlier pod, one of the hardest jobs in sports is to get rehired as a GM and he is on that that road. He was that that GM for the Brown or for the Lions rather uh in 08 when they went winless. So to do a bit of a turnaround and be hired by a young and promising football team uh I think is is awesome for him. It's huge that we brought Adam Peters I trust Kyle Shanahan, and those are the two guys that we needed to keep the most. And as we thought that we would, we definitely kept those two guys. And you brought up how hard it is to be hired a second time as GM. And while Mayhew hasn't quite got there yet, he's definitely had a resurgence in his career after Detroit. And he also drafted some good players in Detroit. I believe he drafted both Calvin Johnson and Matthew Stafford, if I'm correct. Uh, it's, it's pretty hard to have success in Detroit, especially with a team that went 0-16. I'm not going to blame that on Martin Mayhew whatsoever. That's just – it's not all on the GM if you just have no talent out there, especially when he's, he's building that organization back up. I actually think he did a pretty good job in Detroit. Uh, I know a lot of people kind of questioned the firing when that happened a while back because they were so bad when he started, and they started progressively getting better and better. And, and they did make the playoffs that one year. I know they, they didn't win a playoff game. But it's not like Detroit's doing much better now. <laughs> so I think, if anything, it's, it's a really positive thing for Mayhew to, to move on to Washington, to work with Rivera and try to build up his resume even more because he just worked with Kyle 
and John Lynch and obviously had had a lot of success there in building this roster up and teaching John Lynch the ropes, like I said. But now it's not – I feel like he was kind of the third guy in the front office in San Francisco where Peters and Lynch were ahead of him. So now he's kind of moving to, I guess, the number two role there in the front office. I, I think that's what, that's what it sounds like at least. Well, a lot of speculation on what exactly he'll be doing, like what exactly his title is and his role will be. But obviously he's going to be a very focal part of that front office. So I think he has a great chance to succeed. Uh, the football team is, is a roster that's getting a lot better. Obviously adding Chase Young. Alex Smith led them to the playoffs, so if they figure out quarterback and Mayhew's a part of that, he could definitely get a GM role soon. But with all that said, could Adam Peters be moved to GM after this move? There was rumors that potentially Mayhew or Peters could be elevated to a GM role and John Lynch the president. I will say I don't think it's going to happen for a couple of reasons, but Jake, I'll let you start off. What's your answer to that question? Yeah, so I think the simple answer is just no. Lynch got topped the ropes by Peters, um, and that's basically what he was brought in for. Uh, Lynch, he enjoys the general manager position. And I know that Lynch has come out and been pretty open about the fact that he's not really in football to be like a quote-unquote lifer. I don't see any scenario where Peters gets promoted and Lynch gets like moved up to basically this own unique position. I think that the 49ers would be more than happy to let Adam Peters walk. I think we saw that this year with him getting interviewed with the Panthers. I think had he gotten hired with the Panthers, they would have been like, Hey, congrats, man. Like go enjoy your, you know, your, your new job. And I, I am a firm believer in the fact that, as long as you have Lynch and Shanahan kind of steering the ship, you are totally fine. It doesn't matter the coaches you lose. It does not matter the front office personnel you lose. Obviously, when you lose guys like Mayhew and Sala and some of those guys, it is definitely a big blow. I just don't think that it's that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things as long as Lynch and Shanahan are at the head of the boat. Yeah, I I agree with you on that one. I know that I have read a lot of stuff about Peters and about how the NFL views him super highly. Uh, And so, of course, you don't want to lose a guy like that. But at the same time, if you're losing front office members and you're losing assistant coaches and coordinators, that means you're doing something good. (laughs) As far as I've heard about Adam Peters and what he wants, is he wants a – a roster where he has the final say on it, where he has the control. And that will not be the case in San Francisco. I've listened to former scouts that have worked with Peters and they said that he is known as just a very good guy, very mellow person. Doesn't not the kind of guy that toots his own horn and that, and that kind of guy. But at the end of the day, they said that that's kind of his goal is to get to a spot where he gets to build his team. You know, he wants to have that control. And I, and I don't think it's a control freak thing by any means whatsoever. I think it's more of he wants to have an opportunity where he builds up the team that he think that he thinks is the best way to build a football team. And I fully think that's a smart, I think that's a great way to do it. If you're a GM and you think you are one of the very best scouts in the league and you have built up a huge, a very, very successful resume. I think you got to just wait till you have the chance to, to have that roster control 
And in San Francisco, I don't think that's the case. Even if the 49ers offered him a GM role, I don't think he'd accept. And that's just from hearing that he really wants roster control. And I completely get that for, for him. But Aiden, anything you want to comment on on this? Uh, I think a lot of this president uh, stuff for John Lynch was more during the summer. I know that during the summer, Kyle got extended. They were both on like three-year deals and Kyle got extended through 2025. And shortly after, Lynch got extended through 2024. So people were a little surprised when he didn't match. They were wondering what was up with that. I don't see any way that Lynch decides to go higher in the organization think what um elway did with the broncos uh and i think it's likely that peters is probably out next off season but just like jake said i think we brought on peters and mayhew to a certain extent to teach lynch how to be a gm he was in tv before uh and taught him how to make decisions and i think what is this this was just year four of the shanahan lynch I guess, system. I think that four years is enough to A, know that, and B, we've seen that he's had some really great success. Um, so I'd be very surprised if he decides to elevate. But I, I think that's about it for this topic. I know it's just been kind of, it's just been floated around. It hasn't been anything super serious about Peter's being moved to GM. Also, most of it is just fan rumors and, you know, 49ers websites writing about it and stuff. So I don't think there's there's much smoke there. But but now let's let's get into our our coaching rankings. I think the way we do this is we go 10 9 8 7 6 5 4 3 2 1 and we all say ours at number 10, kind of talk about who we have and then just slowly go through that. Probably be about 10 15 minutes. So I'll start with mine at number 10. I have two guys because I really don't know who to rank in this spot. I have Vrabel and Harbaugh. Interesting. So for my number 10, I also went uh, Vrabel, but I, like you, have two. I went Stefanski. Um, Just put these two because I think it's probably too early to kind of judge uh, where they're at, but they're good coaches. At 10, I went a bit of a different direction. I went Brian Flores, coach the Dolphins. Um, They were historically bad at the start of last year, and – they fought similar to how the 49ers did when um, Shanahan was, was first starting. They were fighting in every game. They just didn't have the talent. And we saw this year, I think they went 10-6 and six and missed the playoffs. So huge, huge improvement year to year. And I think he's one of those guys that is going to have the Dolphins competing for the division with the Bills sooner rather than later. So I knew that he needed to be on my list somewhere. And 10 was the, was the good spot for him. Yeah, also I had Flores as kind of one of those honorable mention guys because you're right. The roster starting in 2019 was so bad. If you guys remember like the first, I think it was, was the first two months of the year, the, the big question was, are the Dolphins going to be the worst team in NFL history? <laughs> and then come the next season, they win 10 games. And, and yes, they did get a lot of better players, but it's, it's not like their roster was changed a ton like they did get they win free agency got some guys had some nice drafts but it was a big turnaround in in Miami so I like that pick also Stefanski same same situation the Browns in 2019 were abysmal uh, and they have had so much talent I think that's why it was such a let that why the 2019 season was such a letdown for Cleveland was because they had so much talent and then this year we see them 
run the ball all over people. We see Baker Mayfield completely change in the second half of the year. So I like Stefanski in that, in that spot as well. But moving on to number nine, I have Ron Rivera. I went with Pete Carroll. I went Matt LaFleur. He's two for two on NFC championships. Knew he needed to be on the list somewhere. But after he got ran off the field against the 49ers last year, and though he's, he's favored today, he's had a top three quarterback both years. And I feel like he's only reached expectations and has not quite exceeded them yet. But, I mean, can't, really, can't realistically ask for more than two for two in the NFC Championship, still playing midway through January two straight years. So I don't know if Matt LaFleur is quite there yet just because – and I, I do like him. I do think he's a promising young coach. That's what's kind of hard about a lot of these guys is – okay, this is a promising young head coach. You know, he's a good offensive mind. Where are they going to be in a couple years? I also will have to say, I think a lot of the reason their offense is so good is the personnel and, and mainly their, their quarterback. <laughs> uh, they've, they've had some issues, some holes, so I, I didn't quite put him there. I do think it's a solid pick. I mean, putting him at nine makes a lot of sense too. So I like the LaFleur pick. Probably would have him below a few other guys, but I definitely get where you're coming from. And as far as Pete Carroll goes, I have him at number eight. So pretty close to you on him, Jake. We know what Pete Carroll is. He's a guy that that really gets a lot out of his players. We've seen the Seahawks roster just not be very good for, for quite – really since the Legion of Boom a little bit after that. And he's just smoked out of the defensive guys. And you look at a lot of times how they – how their defense fares in the second half of the season, and they get a lot better, especially this year. They, they were really bad in the first maybe six weeks of the season. And the last, like, eight weeks of the year, they were, they were a good defense. They, were, they became very solid. So I, I think Pete Carroll, I could have him even too low is also at number eight. I, I definitely like Pete a lot, though. Pete, he's he's going to be a Hall of Fame coach. So you can't, you can't argue with Pete. But, Jake, who do you have at eight? So looks like we flip-flopped our nine and our eight. I put Rivera at number eight. Just it's hard not to put him there, man. You, you know, he had so many great years with the Panthers and um, seeing that defense that he built, you know, mind you coming in coaching with cancer this year, unbelievable. And the absolute circus that was going on at quarterback, you know, one week it's Haskins, one week it's Kyle Allen, it's Heineke, it's Alex Smith. And to get them to the playoffs, you know, I know it was the uh, NFC East, but that's a hell of an accomplishment. And he's been a part of some great teams, like the 15-1 and Panthers. He's a good coach. He, he handles adversity really well, like another coach I have coming up on my list. But I'm just a big fan of Rivera's. I love that, that pick there. Their Jake people in Carolina really, really miss him. I went with a bit of a sleeper at, at eight. Hasn't had the consistent success that your guys have had. But I went Sean McDermott, coach of the Bills. I think he's done awesome stuff with that defense in, in particular. Another one of Rivera's assistants, actually. He was, he was the DC there um, when the Panthers were really good. I give a lot of credit when somebody is aware of their shortcomings. And he doesn't really touch the offense and has given that to Brian Dabble, who's done really, really well with it. But you can see McDermott's fingerprints all over that that defense, and they don't. They're really good in the back end, but they've moved on from a lot of guys in the front seven, um, and they just held Lamar Jackson to three points in a playoff game. So 
I think he's been fantastic. Josh Allen is taking a step. And I think that we're in for a great game with them versus the Chiefs on Sunday. And if the Bills pull it off, Sean McDermott will be making a Super Bowl, which is wild to think about two years ago. That That is really wild. Especially, he was there – was he was there as with Greg Roman as his offensive coordinator with Tyrod Taylor, right? Correct. Wow, that's a that's a big turnaround from losing to the Jags and in, in Wild Card Weekend, and they had a stacked defense too. But now their defensive person, I mean, they've lost a lot of guys. They had a lot of change this last year, and, and teams were able to run the ball all over them. And as the years gone on, just like I said about Pete Carroll's defenses, his get better, and teams aren't. I mean, you you said it. The Ravens scored three points <laughs> and threw a pick six. They went negative four <laughs> in, their, in their offensive points. So I, I like that a lot. I'll get into McDermott a little bit later. At number seven, I have Mike Tomlin, who another guy like Pete Carroll probably will be a Hall of Fame coach. Been there a long time. I, I think that him and – I think that all Pete Carroll, Mike Tomlin, and Sean McDermott are similar style coaches where they just get a lot out of their guys and their teams are consistently good. They're a huge part of that. They might not be these offensive geniuses like Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan, but you can't, you can never count out their teams. Also Mike Tomlin, how the Steelers just win and win and win. I think it's going to be really interesting to see the post big Ben era. Maybe Tomlin even um, emerges as a coach that we we didn't realize how good he was and they just continue that success but I've always been a huge fan of of Mike Tomlin Uh, if if you just listen to him talk to the press you see that he's a really cool guy players absolutely love him being their coach also he had AB Big Ben and Le'Veon Bell on the same team and they were winning games and we've seen how how those guys careers and and personal lives have kind of turned out a little bit crazy that he was able to keep them under wraps for so long, I guess. So uh, number seven for me is Sean McDermott. Uh, he's a popular pick, I guess, among us three. I think he's a really, really underrated coach. Uh, he's a guy that doesn't get enough love, and I could easily move him up. I actually even considered him putting, his high, putting him as high as number four. Uh, just looking at some of the guys ahead of him on the list, though, I can't do that yet. But he's a guy where – he has such a good pulse on the locker room and kind of just, as Aiden said, has his fingerprints on this team. He understands. He's very self-aware. And I think even in the years where, yeah, he's not this crazy um, offensive-minded guy, he still understood what Josh Allen needed. He's a guy that I think had a lot to do with getting Stefan Diggs into the building Uh, And we've seen how that's really panned out for Josh Allen. And he's really all about putting his star players in a position where they're going to be successful. And I think at the end of the day, that's all you can ask for out of your head coach. Even you brought up their defense. You look at the players they have, you're not blown away by the defense, but they just held the Lamar Jackson Ravens to what, three points. That is unbelievable in a playoff game where, you know, it's all or nothing. They held them to three points. He's a fantastic coach, so I'm pretty high on McDermott. At seven, I think we're all in agreement with with these two guys. Uh, Just as Matt said, uh, Tomlin and Carroll, I have tied at seven. I couldn't put one above the other. 
Um, I think they're both similar guys and Matt explained it better than I could probably. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I like that we all have these guys in in a similar group. Moving to number six, I have Sean Payton, maybe kind of low, and his offenses are super exciting, but, and I don't want it to be negative because this is still number six. I could see him being a lot higher as well. The only reason I have him a lot lower is he has, he had a Hall of Fame quarterback for so long, and yes, they won a Super Bowl, but they only won one Super Bowl. That's what Mike McCarthy did. and. I'm not comparing him to Mike McCarthy at all. I think he has a, a brilliant offensive mind. The Saints are just a, – they're a weird team. They have been a weird team for a, for a while, consistently letting down in the playoffs. And I don't know if that's necessarily Sean Payton, so I could definitely see if you put him a lot higher. But I'm going to put him at six. Another guy, probably going to be a Hall of Fame coach, had a ton of success in New Orleans, is – I mean, he's a Saints legend. I think that, like Mike Tomlin as well, he, he's, we're going to learn a lot about him after Drew Brees is gone. So that's what I kind of have to say on him. Maybe a little bit lower than most people have him, but just a lack of success with a Hall of Fame quarterback kind of makes me a little bit question how great he really is. Yeah, I'm actually 100% with you. I have Peyton at six as well, and I kind of felt guilty putting him there because you're like, damn, you know, he's a good coach, but it's like, why do I feel so guilty putting him at six? I think the biggest thing is lack of playoff success. We just haven't seen the Saints with Drew Brees, who there's some people out there putting this guy in their top three you know, quarterbacks of all time. How did they not win more Super Bowls? And there's pros and cons to Peyton. Uh, I think some of the cons – just, you know, one Super Bowl, you set it. And also, I, I think his offense with Drew Brees, it's become one-dimensional. It's a lot of dump-offs to Kamara, and, and we clown uh, Michael Thomas for being this slant guy. Because, to be fair, Drew Brees could only throw the ball so far. Some of the pros, though, with Peyton, you're getting a guy who, even this deep into his career, is still a very creative head coach. All the stuff he does with Winston – and Taysom Hill, it, it's very creative, even at his age. And also, uh, one thing I will say is he has this ability to really, really churn out great receivers, even if it's not a wide receiver. Look at Jared Cook, who was already good before he got there, but you know, still good. Um, Jimmy Graham, Brandon Cooks, Marquise Colston, uh, the list goes on and on. So I think he has a really, really good ability of getting a lot out of his receivers. But I'll pass it off to Aiden here. At number six, uh, we're running a little bit out of time, so I'm going to be very, very quick. Sean McVay, he's winning games with Jared Goff. Enough said. I like it. I have McVay at five. (laughs) And I was going to bring that up. I have McVay over Peyton. The difference in my mind is, well, they've both been in deep playoff runs as well, but – Peyton is doing it with Drew Brees. McVay's doing it with Jared, Jared Goof. And I think that's a lot harder. Also, look at how many McVay coaches, uh, McVay assistants have been hired. In like a four-year span, it seems like every year he's pumping out like three guys to be head coaches somewhere, either in the NFL or in, in college ball. But I got to put him at five because he is really, really good. Yeah, same here. McVay at five for me. He came in, he immediately not only changed the 
uh, play calling in that system, but he changed the culture. And that's something that is really, really hard to do for a team that was losing for so long. Love that. At five, I have Sean Payton. Uh, I had to double check this stat. I, I saw it, but he's won 49 games in four years. That's fantastic with an ailing Drew Brees, as, as we said. And they've had some historically bad breaks in the, the playoffs the last few years, with the exception of this year. Um, and even then, they had a horrible Jared Cook fumble, which changed the whole sphere of how that, that game was going. I think the Saints had the lead and were driving when Jared Cook fumbled. So if he doesn't fumble there, who knows if we're talking about Sean Payton going to the NFC title game against the Packers with noodle arm Drew Brees starting at quarterback, who I would say is in the same tier as Jared Goof right now. Um, <laughs> isn't saying a whole lot. Well, you, I don't know if you guys saw this, but he's been playing with the torn rotator cuff. Now, now, my question with all that is why is he starting then? Why? You're in the playoffs. Winston's going out there. I mean, it was a wide open pass, but he's, he threw the ball like 50 yards on air. Drew Brees wound back like he was going to go throw this ball as far as he has ever thrown it and it went about 15 yards on an out route. So <laughs> I, I think it's tough, but I like that we have the same guys at five and six. For me at number four, you brought him up already, Jake. You said that you should have, that you were thinking about putting him at number four. I think you should have. I'm going Sean McDermott at number four. And I know it's extremely early to put this guy this high, but since those Tyrod Taylor days, they have completely turned it around. And you guys already talked about McDermott quite a bit, so I'm not going to get into him a ton. But I have been a huge fan of McDermott. I've been a huge fan of how this Bills team is is really turning into a powerhouse in the AFC. And I think maybe in a few years, three years, I think he will be widely regarded as a top five head coach. So I know I'm a little bit early, but I, I really like him at four. Yeah, I'm going Tomlin at four. I think you said it best, Matt. This guy had a circus in his locker room for like three or four seasons, and they were consistently powerhouses in the AFC. I think, uh, I believe there's a stat that said Tomlin's never had a losing season as the head coach. So I, I think that that in of itself deserves top five. Shame on you guys. You guys forgot about John Harbaugh, won a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco, reinvented this whole offense to be around Lamar, brought in an OC who is probably going to get fired, but who last year took the league by storm. And I don't know how A, John Harbaugh isn't on your list and how B, he's not in your top seven. Come on. Well, I have him at 10. I totally get what yeah, you have him high. There's just a lot of guys I feel like I'd rather have because one thing is the Ravens organization is really good. That's a top-notch organization. They've been really good. Harbaugh also, I, I don't know. I, I guess you have a point. He's, he's one of those McDermott, Tomlin, Carroll, Rabel, Harbaugh, Ron Rivera. Like those are all those like similar kind of coaches where they just uplift the organization. So I, I think that you have a point there. I could definitely – I just there's a lot of good coaches in the NFL. That's really what it is in, in my mind. But for these final three, I want to ask both of you, do you guys have it in this order? One Bill, two Andy Reid, three Kyle. Yes. My, mine is those three coaches, different order. So I went three Kyle, 
most creative coach in the NFL. We know that. This is going to shock some people. I went to Bill. And listen, I get that Andy Reid hasn't had the playoff success that Bill Belichick has had, right? Andy Reid has done it without Tom Brady. He's never had Tom Brady. He is living through Bill right now. Bill had Tom Brady like the basically the second he got in to New England. They were winning because they had Brady. And Andy Reid kind of has always had this in and out, in and out circus of quarterbacks, whether it's Vic, um, McNabb, Nick Foles. Then he goes to Kansas City. He gets Alex Smith. And now he's finally got his true cream of the crop guy in Patrick Mahomes. And I think it's fitting because now we're finally going to see how is Andy Reid going to do with the cream of the crop, the, the tippity top talent at quarterback. And I think we're seeing how Bill Belichick is doing without his cream of the crop quarterback. And I think for me personally, that's what separates him. Also, I think Andy Reid, the coaching tree, you look at his coaches who are having success in the league right now, it's, it's really, really hard to ignore the coaches uh, he has uh, produced from his coaching tree. I'll say I disagree, and I'll explain that in a second. But Aiden, what are your final remarks on these three guys? I also disagree. Um, I feel like it's hard to discount 20 years of success, even if it was with Tom Brady. It's not like Belichick uh, was doing offensive stuff. He had a revolving door of offensive coordinators, especially at the beginning. It's been McDaniels for a little while, but even he left for a little while. Um, he had Bill O'Brien for a, for a while. Imagine having the trust to give your offense to Bill O'Brien and still <laughs> winning a Super Bowl. That's 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 really it for me. He's the head coach and he's the GM. Uh, he makes the personnel decisions, and I think I w- I would I would be shocked if the Patriots don't win nine games next year. They had a crazy amount of opt outs. Cam Newton. I, it, actually throws like Drew Brees, cannot throw it 20 yards down the field. I think he had multiple games this year with less than 50 yards passing, which is really, really bad. And they still managed to win seven games. They won more games than the 49ers did. And even though the 49ers had crazy injuries, I would argue that the Patriots had similar with the amount of opt-outs. So I would say Bill Belichick's number one. And although it's closer than it was two or three years ago, still not particularly close. I I 100% agree with that. And and you brought up how he had Cam Newton. Look back when Bill was on the Browns, too. They were one of those teams where it's like they, they weren't bad, but they weren't good because their roster was atrocious a lot of the times that he was there. But it's like, oh, yeah, but but Bill will win you four more games than you should. <laughs> so so you're not going to acquire those premium picks. That's not, honestly, I think Bill's – I think it's going to be his biggest downfall in the future is that they're never going to bottom out because they, they just can't. That's why I honestly – I think that he is a tremendous coach. I don't, I don't even think it's a question that he is the best coach ever. His dad, Steve Belichick, wrote the book on, on how to scout other teams. Like this guy – and you brought up the coaching tree about Andy Reid, and I'm not trying to, to knock Andy or Kyle, but Bill's coaching tree is, is massive. And so many front office guys that have worked under Bill just to understand the game like him have got hired some in other places. 
Uh, and you also look at the, some of the staffs that Bill's been a part of. He's coached with Saban. He's coached uh, with Parcells. He's coached with so many guys. And he he is known as one of those guys that at this point doesn't – he's not a guy that stays at the facility for a super long time. He's a guy that goes there from 9 to 5 because he has every second of every day planned out, and he knows the game so well that he knows exactly what to do to win a championship. And he's been doing that for, like you said, eight and 20 years. So I just – I cannot put him at number two. And and I think Andy Reid is fantastic. Before Pat Mahomes, Andy Reid might have been the most underrated coach in the NFL just because he's busting out playoff – you know, playoff burst with Alex Smith. And I know Alex Smith made the playoffs this, this year, but that Andy Reid that Andy, – those Andy Reid chief teams with Alex Smith were, were very offensive-oriented a lot of the time. And you had Kareem Hunt there and you had – I mean, you had a year where they made the playoffs and Alex Smith didn't throw a touchdown to a wide receiver. <laughs> so it's not to knock Andy Reid. Also, not to knock Kyle. I mean, I don't think Kyle's quite on the level of Reid and Bill. I think that both Reid and Bill are, are far ahead of everyone else. Maybe not far ahead, but substantially ahead of all the other coaches. I think that you can lump Kyle into the McDermott, McVay, Peyton Carroll. Like All those guys are pretty close. Yeah, I was real quick. I was just going to say I the way that I really did this tier list, right, was I felt like uh Reed and Belichick are kind of in a league of their own. Then you look at the next cut of guys, you know, these are your Shanahan's, McDermott's, your Paytons, and then you go to the next cut of guys where there's a big mumble of guys. You brought up John Harbaugh, I kind of feel like that's where he fit in. So that's why it was hard. I I think the hardest part of this list for me was probably like the seven through 10 range, really, you know, figuring out that kind of order. I think it's just a fun little exercise to do because I know that there's probably a lot of people that disagree, but that makes perfect sense. And I do think a lot of these guys, some people prioritize different traits in a coach guys like Kyle and McVay. You've seen owners love them. They love that guy. You know, the, the skinny white guy that is just a genius at calling plays. Well, that doesn't necessarily translate to wins, and that's why you only see a couple of those guys. I mean, most of these guys, most of them are defensive-oriented on here, which is crazy to think about how the NFL is kind of turning into. I mean, the only offensive guys on here are Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Sean Payton. That's it. Everybody else is defensive, at least on my list. So I think that's pretty much going to wrap it up, though. If you were listening on a podcast platform, subscribe, rate and review, all do all that good stuff. If you're listening on YouTube, like and subscribe as well. But we're going to be getting a lot more content out to you guys this offseason. And we'll be talking a lot about 49ers football and, and just football in general. So thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you guys next week.